Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to uh, glorify you today and lift you up. And Lord, I pray that as we open up your word now, God, that we would open up our hearts to you and what you want to teach us. We know you're right here with us. And Lord, our, our lives need to be changed by you. We need to acknowledge that. We need to be more like you every single day. Help us to have the courage to change. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Well, we've been in a series entitled Faith from the Inside Out, the last five chapters of the book of Romans. And it's all about living out your faith. The last two weeks, we talk about mission to a lost world and Paul's heart to reach out to the Gentiles, that he was an apostle to the Gentiles. And he wanted to take the gospel to places where it had never been shared before. That was his desire. That was his passion. And today we want to talk about this, living on purpose. Not focusing on the past and our accomplishments and getting to a point in our lives where we say, well, I've done all I need to do. Now it's all about me and just living for myself. But, but looking forward and knowing that our lives each and every day can be lived on purpose. The purpose that God has given to us. There's a book that was written by John Piper entitled, Don't Waste Your Life. And in the book, as I was reading it, he tells two stories of two different groups of people. Um, there were two ladies, one in her 80s and one in her 70s. They went to the country of Cameroon to share the gospel with the people of Cameroon. That's a country in Central Africa. He writes this, in April 2000, their brakes failed, their car went over a cliff, cliff and they were both killed instantly. Piper then asks, was that a tragedy? He answers in this way, no, that is not a tragedy. That is glory. These lives were not wasted and these lives were not lost. As Jesus says in Mark 8.35, whoever loses life for my sake will save it. Then he tells another story that he read about in a Reader's Digest of all places of a couple who took early retirement when the husband was 59 and the wife was 51. They moved to Florida where they cruise on their boat. They play softball and collect shells on the beach. Piper first thought the story was a spoof on the American dream, and then he realized, no, for most people, that is the American dream. Quote, come to the end of your life, your one and only precious God-given life, and let the great work of your life before you give an account to your creator be this, playing softball and collecting shells. That, says Piper, is the tragedy. You know, when we think about our lives, we need to know that God has given us a purpose and that that purpose is something that we live out every single day. And that's really what the book of Romans is all about, right? The first 11 chapters were uh, a theological treaties on justified by faith. We're saved by faith in God and his work on the cross for us. That is the beauty of the gospel. I hope you rejoice in that today that we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ, a life-changing faith. A faith that saves you is a faith that changes you. That's what the last five chapters are all about, putting into practice what we believe. If we believe it, we should live it. And that means it changes the purpose of our lives. It gives us a purpose that is far greater than any purpose you can find in the world. And the Bible instructs us about it Every single day. It pours instruction into our lives. Yesterday, I was with my 12-year-old son down at Miramar College. 
uh, down in San Diego watching him play in a basketball game. There were all these people there. It was kind of a crowded gym. There were all these teams there. And what I do at these games is I have my iPhone and I'm filming him as he's playing and I make comments into the iPhone. And I'll say things like, oh, good rebound. Nice play. Oh, follow your shot. You should have taken that shot. Hey, don't turn your back on the ball. You know, I'll say little things like that into the video because he'll watch it later and hear my encouraging and also correcting comments. And while I was doing that, and I'll just kind of whisper it softly like, oh, you should have taken that shot. Uh, Nice pass. And and, uh, this guy came and was standing next to me. And I said at one point, oh, I should have taken that shot. And he goes, you're right. He should have taken that shot. He should have taken that shot. I said, yeah, I know. He just watches this later and adds my comments. And what happened was as the game kept going, this guy, he started to say, hey, you should have taken that shot. Should have made that pass. He would lean over and talk into my iPhone. I'm like, hey, I don't mind me correcting my son, but I don't know about you. I want to speak into his life. I don't know about you. And it's amazing (laughs) in our lives how we allow others to speak into our lives above the word of God. We allow other voices (laughs) to speak into our lives. The bottom line today is this. In Christ, we have an amazing purpose and mission that will have implications for all eternity. I hope you sense the gravitas of that, that you've been given a mission that will have implications for all of eternity, that we together as the church can be part of changing people's not only lives on this earth, but their eternal lives. And believe me, one day we will all come to the end of this life. Are you ready for it? And if you are, then it's something you want to share with the world, right? Because they're lost. They don't know Jesus like you know him. And, and that's something we need to share. That's the, the bottom line says this, our greatest fulfillment in life is to live our lives according to the purpose Christ has given us. Every day do you wake up and say, hey Lord, I, I wanna live today for you. I know what my purpose is and that's to glorify you. The Westminster Confession says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That our, our desire here on this earth, glorify God. Hey, God, you gave me this life. You died on the cross for me to set me free from my sin and my disobedience. I want to live my life for you, whether it's in the workplace, at my home, in my own private life, wherever it is. With that in mind, I want you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 15. This is a, an ongoing study of the book of Romans, as you know. And we ended last week with Paul writing this, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. See, Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. He wanted to take the gospel to places that had never gone. He wanted everyone to hear about Jesus. Remember the quote I shared with you last week, Oswald J. Smith, why should anyone hear the gospel twice before everyone has heard it once? That was kind of Paul's approach to life. I want to take the gospel to people that have never, ever heard it before. Because it is essential to being right with God. I was reminded as I was preparing this, this study and reading this passage and seeing Paul as this man on a mission. He knew what his mission was. He knew what his purpose was. And he lived faithfully according to it. Psalm 139 says this, 
Your eyes, God, have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was none of them. Please do not think that God does not know you. In fact, he ordained every day that you would live before you ever lived them. And as you read scripture, you sense that God has a greater mission, a corporate mission for all of us as the church. But I believe in each one of us, he's given gifts and abilities for an individual way in which we can fulfill that greater mission. An individual part that all of you play in God's amazing purpose for your life. You will never find a more significant purpose on this planet. See, Paul was writing this letter from the city of Corinth, where that red dot is there on the left. He he was going to take it to the people in Jerusalem. Let's read the passage together. It says this, Romans 15, verse 22. After he says, you know, I want to take the gospel to people that have never heard, for this is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. He's in Corinth, and he wants to see the church in Rome but he has a passion to preach the gospel to those that have never heard. That, according to God's calling on his life and God leading him, hindered him from getting to Rome. He couldn't get over there because he's so passionate about sharing the gospel. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, he's writing from Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece, called Macedonia and Achaia in the Bible. He says, man, my, my work here is almost done. I'm ready to go. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I've enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia, that's where he was at the time of the writing of this book, have been pleased to make some contribution to the poor among the saints of Jerusalem. This is a really cool story. The believers in Macedonia and Achaia, modern-day Greece, were so concerned about the poor believers in Jerusalem, they took up an offering. They gave it to Paul and said, Paul, bring this to Jerusalem. So that's where Paul was going. He was going to take that gift all the way down to Jerusalem. After he dropped off that gift, he then was going to turn around and start making his way back to Spain. And on the way would stop and see the church at Rome. Now he did eventually get to Rome, but he got there as a prisoner. Whether or not he made it to Spain, scholars debate that. We're not sure, but we do know this. Paul was beheaded for his faith under Nero's persecution in Rome. Paul gave his life for what he knew was true, that Jesus Christ was alive. Then it says this. They were pleased to do it, to give this gift to the people in Jerusalem, and indeed they owe it to them. For the Gentiles had come to share in the spiritual blessings, they had also to be of service to them in material blessings. Hey, the Gentiles were blessed spiritually, now help out these believers in Jerusalem, and they did. When therefore I've completed this and have delivered them to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. That last verse is key. The the hint there is this. I want to come to you, Rome, when God wants me to get there. I want to come to you under the blessing of Christ. I don't want to uh, ignore how God is leading me because I am a person on a mission. And you see that throughout his writings. And I want to ask you today, do you have that same sense in your life? 
that you are on a mission each and every day that God has given to you to glorify him, to take this amazing treasure and to share it, to serve Christ with the gifts and abilities that you have, that you rejoice in being part of a church with other believers that are doing things behind the scenes to make the message of Christ as clear and as powerful as possible to people that need to hear it. So here's my first challenge to you today. It's this, embrace the purpose and plans God has for you. As you open up the word, do you embrace this plan that God has for you to go into all the world and make disciples, to be light and salt in a world that needs it so badly? Paul writes this in his letter to the church in Corinth, and it's a powerful message. He says this, do you not know that in a race all the runners run? but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. If you're in a race, you don't run to end up last, amen? You run to win. If you are an athlete who is in a race, you run to win, you run to obtain the prize. You give it your best. Then he goes on and says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I want to tell you today, there are many people who are living their lives aimlessly or are following things and pursuing things that are so trivial compared to the purpose that God has given us. We need to live our lives on purpose purpose that God, the creator of the universe, gave to us in his word. See, and I love this saying, the purpose of life is to live a life with purpose. The purpose that God has given to each of us. And when I read Paul, I'm constantly challenged by a man who knew why he was here on this earth. He knew what was the most important and substantial message of his life. And his desire was to make it the core thing of his life. And I want to tell you, that core thing will change your life, will change your marriage, it will change your family, it will change your priorities each and every day if we it. Where do we find that purpose? It's in the Word of God. Psalm 119 says this, Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you want to find out how you ought to walk, take the light of the word of God and shine it in your life. It will show you the way to walk. It will be a light to your path. And in Piper's book, you know, these two elderly ladies who lost their lives in Cameroon, sharing the gospel with the people there. And they had a purpose in their lives. They wanted to fulfill the mission they had. And our task is to live that purpose, whether you're retired or not, to live that purpose to the end of your lives. Purposeful living is this, faithfully applying the principles of God's word in order to make great decisions in the way you utilize your time, your gifts, and your resources, thereby glorifying God and remaining in his will. To take the principles of God's word and apply them faithfully. Hey, this is my greater purpose. I know I got to go to my work and I have to earn a paycheck uh, to support my family. But in the midst of that, there's a greater purpose. And my greater purpose, and this is what directs me each and every day, is to glorify God, is to live for him, is to let people know that there is hope in this world, that Jesus is the answer for the world today. 
So I want to challenge us to do this. Keep praying for and initiating impactful ways in which God can use you. You sense that with Paul, right? He's like, man, I, I wanted to go to you before, but, but God has this calling on my life to tell people about Jesus, and, and I need to take this gift to Jerusalem. After that, I'm going to go to Spain, but I'm going to stop by Rome and see you and encourage you. This was a guy who knew where he was going. This was a guy who knew why he was on this earth. If you're not sure what your calling is, I want to tell you it's a wonderful thing to be in that process of wanting to find it. James 1.5 says this, If you lack wisdom, let that person ask God, who gives generously to all without approach, and it will be given him. If you're like, Mel, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know how to have a life that is lived according to the purpose God has given to me. The Bible says this, ask God for wisdom. Just pray, God, help me to live out your purpose in my life. I need your wisdom. Give me your wisdom to do it. Uh, God's given you this amazing thing called a brain, amen? And you want the word of God to speak into your life and you want God's spirit to speak into your heart and into your life. And he will because he lives inside of you. Ask God for wisdom. He'll give it to you. Uh, that, that whole concept of praying, God, I want to invite you into my day. I want to invite you into my problems is supported throughout scripture. Let me just give you one verse, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing. If there's one common predicament that exists in America, it's anxiety, fear and anxiety. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and in supplication. Those are just different words for praying. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Enter into this relationship with God. Invite him into your life. Allow him to be a part of your life. And if you don't have direction, if you're not sure how to live out God's purpose that he's given to us, then here's the next thing we should do. Invite God into the process of planning your life, priorities, and agenda. So often we leave him out. So often we leave him out. It's been said that people spend more time planning out their vacations every year than they do thinking about the direction of their lives. Hey, let me slow down and stop for a while. God, am I inviting you into my life? Are you a priority in my daily routine? Do I have a passion for living out the calling that you've called us all to be and do? Paul had this sense of being led by the Spirit all the time. I love this passage in Acts chapter 16. It says this, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased the numbers daily. That's good news. And they, Paul and his companions, went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. They're doing this missionary trip and God, for whatever reason, we don't know how, stopped them from going to this certain place they wanted to go to. They were being led by the Spirit. And when they had come to Mycenae, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Messiah, they went down to Troas. There is this sense of being constantly led by the Spirit. And I want to tell you, God will do the same for you if you acknowledge it, if your receptors are up and you're ready to hear the leading of the Holy Spirit. Paul is like that. Colossians 4.3 says this, uh, sorry about this, well, yellow's out, I'm not sure why. It says this, 
And at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. As we pray, God will open up doors and he'll close doors. 1 Corinthians 16, 9, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. You need to know this. As you're praying and God opens up doors and you're living out his purpose and you're engaged with your family spiritually, you're, you're engaged with your spouse in your marriage spiritually, you're bringing Christ in, you're praying together, you're, you have an opportunity maybe to share Christ at work with somebody, perhaps even give them a book. I love book evangelism, by the way. Uh, I love giving out the book, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Great book. You can tell people, hey, read this book. I, I really like to tell me what you think. Strategies to make an impact wherever God has you. But remember, there are many adversaries. You may be right in the center of God's will, doing his thing, doing his planning, living out his priorities and purpose, but there will be people who will be opposed to you. Don't let that throw you off. Paul knew God had opened this door, but there were a lot of people attacking him. That will happen. James 4.13 says this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade to make a profit. This is a person who's making plans, uh, going to do really well in business. We're going to go over here and make a lot of money. But the passage addresses a real lack in that kind of thinking. In that verse, it's not a passage that forbids planning or profit making. The Bible is okay with that. Obviously, we get a profit is a good thing. Planning is a good thing. In fact, work is honorable and commanded by God. God blesses planning. What the passage addresses is the lack of invitation to God to come into that planning. It says this in the next verse in James 4, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. We've all seen the puff of smoke, right? The puff of exhaust from a car that dissipates into the air and then it is gone absolutely gone. That's what our lives are like. That's why we need to live our lives with an eternal perspective, living our lives for eternity. The word here, mist, in the verse is the word atmos. It's where we get the English word atmosphere from. It's a vapor. It's almost invisible, quickly gone like a puff of steam. That's what our lives are like. That's why it's so important that we live every day according to the purpose of God. That we don't live aimlessly, like Paul says. We do not live aimlessly. We have a reason to get up every day because God has given it to us. And he goes on in the next verse to say this. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. This daily dependence on God this inviting God into my life, making him a part of my life. Do you think to God, in a sense, pray to God without ceasing all day? Do you have this ongoing relationship with him? Or do you always think to yourself, I hope today's a good day. Oh, man, I, oh, I got to go see my son's basketball game. I hope they win. <laughs> I hope this guy isn't there talking into my iPhone again. That's thinking to myself, right? There's such a higher way to live your life. Hey, God, I'm going to this basketball game. The next time that guy speaks into my phone, I'm going to tell him about you. Help me to open up that door for that to happen. 
Help me to be a light for you in those situations. Help me to show your love at the workplace today. Help me to show your love uh, to my family today because I'm feeling tired as I'm driving home and a little cranky. Help me not to take it out on my wife or my kids. Help me, God, to do this. See, that's that ongoing relationship with God, inviting him in. If the Lord wills, I will do this or that. Here's another thing we ought to do. Find ways in which your priorities can be lived out in your weekly schedule. If you really have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if he really is number one, right, it should impact the way you live your life. Please don't say Jesus is number one in my life. I believe in Jesus, like we said together a few moments ago, and yet he doesn't impact how you do your life. Doesn't impact your marriage. Doesn't impact the way you raise your kids. Doesn't impact the way you do work. There's no thought of sharing Christ with anyone else. That's leaving Christ out. That is a person that's missing the purpose and mission to which God has called us. We're missing it. You might say, well, no, I can't do it on my own. Exactly. The Bible says this, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power is available to us. God will not call us to do something if he doesn't give us the power to go through something and to accomplish it. We just need to plug in. That's my fault, right? That, that's my failing. When I don't do what God wants me to do, when I don't have God's priorities in my life, it's because I am not plugging into that power. I've allowed Satan in this world and the thinking of this world to impact me, to deceive me and think there are more important things that I could really address in my life, to get my golf score down, to make my foul shots a little more faithfully, to keep up with all the scores in the NBA playoffs. Those are my struggles, right? But there's so many more higher things for us, my friends. God has given us an amazing calling. Here's the challenge. Don't let good things crowd out God's best thing for you. Hey, watching the NBA playoffs, yeah, that's fun. But getting into it so much that you don't do the things that God has called you to do, then that good thing becomes a bad thing. See, good things become bad things when they keep you from the best things. If there's anything in your life that's keeping you from fulfilling God's purpose, that good thing, you might say, well, there's no verse in the Bible against watching the NBA playoffs. Yeah, but if I do it so much, I'm neglecting church and the word of God, my time with the Lord. I'm not being a good example to my sons uh, and, and daughters of a balanced dad. Then it's getting in the way of the best thing. It's getting in the way of the best thing. Don't let good things become bad things by keeping you from what is best. And only you know what those things are. Here's the next thing I want to challenge you with. Discover how God can use you most effectively through your GPA, not your grade point average. I, I thought of that as a, I, I asked, my, hey, how's your GPA going to my kids? The, the better GPA rather than grade point average is your gifts and your passions and your abilities. God will often use you most effectively in the areas where you can use your gifts and they're unique, your passions, your experiences in your life, your abilities that you have. As you use them, you will realize, wow, I'm part of something bigger than myself. I'm part of something that will make an impact for all of eternity. God, thank you. I thought my life was meaningless before I came to you, but now I know it has purpose. Do not let me be distracted by Satan and this world. 
Help me to stay focused. Help me to put my hands to the plow and not look to the left or the right. You're the one that can decide how that's lived out. I would love to help you as your pastor. If you're not sure what your calling is, if you're not sure how you can serve, and it could be here at church. We talked about this last week. There are parallel church ministries out there, parachurch ministries like Bread of Life. Tim is back there. He told me, I met him for the first time this morning. He was working at Chase Bank. He, was, he enjoyed his job doing well, but he's working in Oceanside, and he saw the needs of the homeless in Oceanside. He saw how badly they were being treated. And he felt God convicting him and leading him to leave Chase Bank and join Bread of Life. Now, that may not be the story for all of you. Some may be convicted to say, I'm staying at Chase Bank, and I'm going to work here and be an example of someone in the secular work environment that puts God's priorities first. That's a wonderful calling. And by the way, Every calling of yours, if it's from God, is a sacred calling, whether it's to be a pastor or a person at Chase Bank or a police officer, fireman, working as a businessman or businesswoman in the community. All of those are sacred callings, but do it for Christ. Do it for his purposes. That's so important. Select life priorities that wisely maximize Christ's church. See, when you read this passage, Paul is all about the church. Paul was a gifted guy. He was knowledgeable. He was a genius. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, he wrote one-third of the New Testament. But when you read this, you read a person whose passion is the church. He goes, man, I'm here in Corinth, and I'm helping the church, but my work is closing out here. I'm going to take a gift down to Jerusalem. I'm going to encourage the church there. Then I'm going to go back on my way to Spain, and I'm going to encourage the church in Rome, and then I'm going to plant a church in Spain. Man, all of his life was about building Christ's church. And that's not a priority that he invented. It's what Jesus said. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not, what? Prevail against it. That was Jesus' priority. We should have a passion for the church. Can I ask you, as the pastor here at Riverview, pray for Riverview Church. Pray that our impact in this community will be one in which people will come to know Christ and they'll grow in their walk with Christ. That is our passion. That's our passion for you. We love you enough to say you need to connect more deeply and more strongly with Jesus Christ. I need to connect more deeply and strongly with Jesus Christ because that's what God has called us to do. It's our priority. This verse, I think about it a lot. James 4, 17 says this, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. We often think of the sin of commission, right? Of committing a sin. I did this thing and I knew it was wrong, it's a sin. But there's another facet to sin. It's things that we know we should do and fail to do. We know we should live our lives with Jesus as the number one preeminent person in our life. We know that it should impact how I do marriage and family and how I father my kids and how I interact with my neighbors in my neighborhood. But so often we don't do it. And the Bible says that's a sin. The sin of omission. Omitting what God has told us to do. And if we regard iniquity in my heart, 
then the Lord will not hear me. It's no wonder we can feel far away from God. Not that God has moved away, but we've chosen this other path and we neglect what God has told us to clearly prioritize in our lives. To not let these good things crowd out our lives so much that we neglect the best things of following Christ. How do I find these life priorities? Let me give you a chart. It's in your notes. Have a confidence that comes from simply obeying the word of God. You know, you might be thinking, Mel, I have this big decision. I don't know what to do, whether I should take this job or not, whether I should move or not. Here's one thing I would tell you. Obey the Lord in the little things that God clearly talks about in his word. Be obedient to him. Those subjective decisions that you need to make that pertain only to you become much clearer if you're walking in obedience. Here's the next thing. Have godly desires and passions. May the passions that you have be the passions of Christ. The next thing would be to pray. God, I invite you in. I want to make you part of my life. I don't want to leave you out anymore. I invite you in to give me direction for my life so that my life has meaning. I'm going to obey your revealed will in the word of God. To get into the word of God every day. Even if it's reading one chapter of the book of John. Now now here's the thing. People say to me, well, Mel, I'm real busy. Remember the principle, don't let good things, whatever you're busy with, keep you from the best things. To take the word of God and apply it. Every morning, uh, we have a group of guys here at church that as we're doing our quiet time, and I'm part of it, we text each other verses that we're reading in the word of God. Not only is it encouraging to read what they're reading, and, and, but it keeps you accountable, right? To get into the word of God every day. And here's a verse, man, that I, I love. Let me share it with you as I'm in the Word every day with these guys that are texting each other every single day. In fact, I just got it this morning. I haven't gotten my verse to them yet. I'm a little distracted. The spiritual gifts and abilities that you have, God's going to use those gifts and abilities in a powerful way. Check out the facts and the needs that are out there. What are ministries that are here at church that have needs and you can plug in and use your your abilities, and your gifts. Research those options. Find out what's available to you. Be led by the Holy Spirit like Paul was. Ask the the Spirit to open up doors or close doors in your life. Seek godly counsel. If you're not sure where to plug in, come and see me or any pastor. Hopen is right over there. Any other pastor in the church or any elder as well. And then God will lead through closed and open doors. What do those uh, closed and open open doors look like? Well, it could be according to your gifts and abilities. If you don't like working with kids, then the children's ministry probably isn't for you, right? You probably don't want to go there. But if you love working with young adults and that's your passion and you you feel like you have a a message for young adults, then Hope Hen is right over there. You can go see him. Here's another one, your financial situation. That, that also could be a closed or open door because I believe God still wants us to fulfill our financial obligations. Your physical limitations. I told you about Oswald J. Smith last week. A man who wanted to go to the mission field, he had physical limitations. So instead of going, he planted a church that became one of the greatest giving churches to missions in the world. So we need to take that into account. and God will lead you to something else that will be more appropriate. And then your responsibilities and obligations that you have. For example, I shouldn't go on a three-year missions trip and neglect my family, right? That's not the right thing to do. I shouldn't go by myself to some three-year missions trip. I have an obligation to my family, to my wife. And whatever God leads me to, it should be a leading that incorporates my obligation and my responsibilities to my family. 
Here's lastly, it's this. Be blessed by a lifestyle that executes schedule plans God's way. I want to tell you, if you take that priority of living for Christ and it becomes a daily habit of yours, interacting with God, inviting him in, you will be blessed. You will be blessed by that. See, wrong priorities, what do they do? They play into Satan's strategy. It's exactly what Satan wants you to do. They complicate our lives. They, miss, they help us miss out on the blessing of doing God's will. They frustrate others around us if we have wrong priorities. But right priorities connect us powerfully with our creator, fulfill our lives, and gives them meaning. It simplifies our lives and leads to spiritual and emotional health. So I challenge us all, including me, live your life on purpose. Live out the purpose God has given to you. You will not regret it. Amen, church? Amen. 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 Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that we have to live our lives according to your purpose.